Peace, King and Queens. You are now rocking with the infamous. Opinionated. The talkative. And the cool. Yes. Yes, this is episode 64. And we have a special guest in the building. We'll let him introduce himself. What up, y'all? Masuda Sante, a.k.a. Mike Flo, a.k.a. Flo, a.k.a. Garvey and Peely's dad, a.k.a. Your mama's favorite. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I like that. I, I must entrance. say, out of all the introductions, you that know, even including Bari's, uh, I think that tactic. I think you take it. Your mama's favorite? I like that one. <laughs> <laughs> he might steal that next I, one. I, I might. Yeah, he man. Might run, it, run it up, man. No, nah, I like that one. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Mike Flo is up in the building. It's a special honor to have you up in here. Thank yeah. you, brother. My pleasure. Yeah. I know how you... Uh, Man, I just want you to go through what you, you know, I mean everything. Uh, like when, what? I don't even know, man, because there's so much to go. There's so much to go off of. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like the things with the the airlines. Oh, yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you being you being a part of a, a dead press. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Oh, I think everybody got to be on airplane mode. That's what that is. It might be a little static on that. Um, yeah. So, um, hmm. you being a part of dead press, everything like you. Yeah. Can, Let's start from the, you want to start from the beginning? Like, where yeah. you from? Yeah, where you... Yeah, where all right, you want to start? Right, yeah. I'm, um, We're not no interviewing thing here. We just have conversation, yeah, but well, other people got to know about you. Yeah, I'm pretty good at interviews, though. <laughs> um, I'm from the south side of Chicago, man. 90th and Cottage Grove. Born and raised. Um, so I went to high school in Chicago, so I tell people, wherever you went to high school, it's, it's like, where you from? Mm-hmm. Right. I'm from Chicago. Um, <clears throat> went to... Traveled to Atlanta, moved to Atlanta in 1993. I'm an old head. <laughs> 1993. Yeah. Wow. What were What were you doing? I was born. Exactly. Even born. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, I was born. No, you was born. So, um, I'm seasoned. So, uh, <laughs> I went to college uh, to uh, to be a journalist. Really? At Clark Atlanta University, and then I changed my majors a few times. Uh, ended up with a degree in speech, taught school for about 12 years in Chicago, and then back to Atlanta to live as an adult. And then three years ago, I moved to Brooklyn. And uh, in the in the midst of all of that, I do a lot of creative things. Mm-hmm. Um, and that just depends on how creative or what type of things I want to do in any particular day. Okay. So, yeah, that's just what I do. I'm a musician. I am a, a retired school teacher from two states. Drew my pension out and all of that. Wow. Uh, I'm a father of a 19-year-old and a soon-to-be 18-year-old. Um, yeah. Well, you're a grown man out here. I'm I'm grown up. Grown yeah, up. you're a grown man out here. Yeah, so, yeah. so you went to school for, journal, for journalism, but that wasn't your calling? Well... I thought it was my calling, except that the school wasn't prepared to assist me in what I thought my calling was. What was that? Yeah, I wanted to be a sports 
uh, broadcast sports journalist. Okay. And um, the technology wasn't uh, what the program guide said it was. Okay. So um, I started doing print journalism and I was just bored to death. And I was like, I don't want to major in this. If I want to contribute to the paper, then I'll just write and contribute. Mm -hmm. From there, I became a public relations major until I found out that that was pretty much a scam because what's a PR consultant with no contacts? So then I was like, yo, I don't want to change. If I change my major again, it has to at least be in the same school because I I don't have any more money to Mm, like, you know what I mean? To be in school three more years. So I was like, what classes have, this is exactly how it went. What classes have I already taken that I can use as like electives and so I can get up out of here. And so then I changed my major to speech. From there, I thought I may have wanted to study law, but then I realized I didn't want to see school anymore (laughs) on that side of it. So then I started teaching seventh and eighth grade math and science, taught third grade, and I taught everything all the way up to throughout high school. I was even an academic um, uh, counselor um, uh, at a college once. I've done a lot. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah, Jeez. yeah. So when did you start pursuing music? Well, I've been... Music kind of pursued me at the age of like maybe seven or eight years old. My mom, she used to work at a record store even when I was younger than that. So we had like... I was a friend, the guy that, you know, I had all the cool music at my house. Mm-hmm. All vinyl. My mom was also is... I mean, she's not dead or nothing, but, like, she doesn't do hair anymore. So she used to do hair also. Okay. So she would be doing hair at the crib. And we had a little small two-bedroom apartment. And um, she'd be, she had a little salon, little stash in a little portion of the kitchen. Mm-hmm. And she would be um, doing that. And it would be time to um, change the record. Her hands would be, uh, you know, she had gloves on. She had chemicals and stuff on her hands. Yeah. So my job began as changing or, or flipping the record. And then after that side was over, it was like, okay, now put on another record. Right. She used to tell me what records to put on until I started doing it by myself because so. she'd be too busy talking and mm-hmm. blah, 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 blah. And then before you know it, I was like DJing the whole little set. So this was just like, you know, so it went from like playing aside flipping it, playing another side to choosing the record, playing certain cuts off of those records. And so it was like DJing with one turntable with huge intermissions in between. You learn from like the begin, like the way it was from the beginning. Yeah. The beginning, beginning. For sure. And I remember getting in trouble one time. Um, I saw the video for Herbie Hancock's rocket with a grandmaster Theodore doing this doing the cuts first person to do like live or were recorded scratches on like a commercial record my tattoo may be bleeding oh. <laughs> um but um i started trying to do that and mimic but she didn't have scratch needles and she was like boy you fucking mm-hmm. up my, my shit right? mm-hmm. yeah but um fast forward when she moved to cds um, which was like a huge thing for her. I remember this was like in 97. I was like, yo, what you doing with all those records? And she was like, you can have them shits. I was like, mm, 
So I brought them all the way back to Atlanta and I became like the youngest old school DJ mm-hmm. that you ever could think of. So I would, I would show up to parties. Some of my folks do parties. I would show up with a couple bags of that classic shit that they didn't have. Right. And then over time, I started growing my own catalog and the rest is history. So what music were you growing up listening to? Like, who was I, playing? Yeah, I grew up listening to, you know, first of all, more than most of the people from Chicago have roots directly related to the the lower delta of the United States. So it was like, you know, everyone's got family from Mississippi, Arkansas, so on and so forth. So with that said, it was just gut bucket soul music. So, but I'm in the Midwest, so the the Motown sound from from Detroit was an influence. Mm-hmm. But I grew up listening to what they call now is like R&B, soul, funk, um, artists like anywhere from Gladys Knight to Patti LaBelle, Michael Jackson, the Barcase, Confunction, Prince. I mean, I can name it all. Mm-hmm. I grew up listening to that. My mom, but she was, her taste is, is varied. So she had sprinkles of, you know, Peter Tosh or Bob Marley. And then she had like, uh, she had some hip hop stuff. I remember her buying, uh, LL Cool J's I'm Bad album. And we had like, uh, Cool Mo D and Sugar Hill Gang. We mm-hmm. had all that. But for the most part, strictly so. Yeah. My mom never had any hip hop in the house. No. No, it was only same thing that you had, like the soul, strictly soul. Um, everything even had Elvis uh, Elvis Presley never had hip hop and country music. Now mm-hmm. that's all I grew up on. Mm-hmm. I just I got into like hip hop like seriously in the like in the sixth grade, seventh grade, like when I ventured off myself. Uh-huh. You know what I'm saying? Uh-huh. So like that's when I started listening to like the Ludacris, the the who else was Ti's? Yeah, yeah. And then Kanye, uh-huh. you know, all those Jay Z, uh-huh. Nas, and then like. That's when I started. I was like, "Oh, what? The, the whole world just opened up." Like, "Oh, yeah, shit. that's what it'll do." Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> that's what. Like, that's why I love hip hop so much. So when you 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 still DJ now, of course. Yeah. You only do you DJ only like hip hop soul. Like mm-hmm. when I mean by hip hop soul, like Talib Kweli, and or you do the you do like nah. the trap shit, depending on the crowd. I I play whatever I want to play, depending on me. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. So I'm I'm an open format DJ. Okay. And that's a term I kind of unite with. A lot of DJs use that term, meaning that, you know, in my party, you can hear anything from Sade to Project Pat. It just depends on how I'm feeling, because, number one, I'm spinning for me mm-hmm. first. Okay. I feel like I'm dope. If, I, if I'm if i doing dope shit, chances are you're going to be like, that's some dope shit. Everybody <laughs> else is just waiting to see what you think anyway. Right. So I don't play for those people. I play for me first, and I play with the people who fucking with me. Mm-hmm. And then I go where they want to go, or I take them where they want to be, even if they don't know they want to be there. The rest of the people are like cattle anyway. They just said they were coming out. 
They didn't already picked out their little outfits. Mm-hmm. They had a couple drinks. Yeah, they just there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They they they're there to be inspired by you, the cool kids who are into the shit. Yeah. So I play for play for y'all. Yeah, because you uh you played at the um which one he played at, bro? The, the Jay Dilla. The Dilla set. The Jay Dilla set. That yeah, shit yeah. was so good. Man. Yeah, it was in freestyle. That, yeah, it was so good. Like Thank each you. each selection, and I I really like. I like, I fucks with DJ. I, I, I I'm not a DJ, mm-hmm. right? I'm, I produce music and stuff, but I don't. Mm-hmm. That DJ thing is a whole. I feel like it's a whole nother like patience almost. I'm not sure. I never been in front of one. Mm-hmm. You feel what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. But like to me though, I listen because I listen to a lot of mixes. Yeah, I just love that. Like yeah. that, that was that was clean. Thank you, you did man. that, and it was good. And and that like any other party I do is all freestyle. Because I don't want to ever become a robot. I want to always. Um, oh, so you never, you didn't even like. No. Nah. You didn't lay them out. Not at all. Wow. Uh, specifically for that gig, um, I got with the band, uh, the IET band. I, I went to their rehearsal spot. They told me certain Dilla joints that they like. Yeah. I already had the joints. Then mm-hmm. I was like, all right, I'll make sure I do these. It was only a few of those inside, but you know, other set. So when I play these, get ready and, you know, we do the joint. But other than that, I got enough of the music and of the of the illustrious career of, yeah. of, of James Yancey that I could just do. I could just go in. But like that with anything else, I don't have premeditated sets. At most, I have virtual crates. So... You know, and I and I and I set my music up in genre. So if I may have a crate that says freedom rock, but that's just to, if I'm let's say if I'm I'm doing some broken beat, whatever, and I want to play some freedom rock, I don't have to go through 30,000 songs to find out. I'll just go to that crate. But everything and then from that crate. I can get my bearings and then I can, then my mind will start wondering and I'll leave that crate and go out and stuff like that. But I never have like, you know, this is what I'm playing for this party. Mm-hmm. Um, that's some of the, that's the, the, the diamond, you know, in digital music nowadays, but I've been DJing since vinyl when in the vinyl days, if I had a party to do at midnight, at seven o'clock, I was smoking a joint, trying to decide which records I'm actually gonna pull out the house because you can't bring everything. everything yeah. So that you know, in many ways that handicapped you, but in a lot of ways it forced you to be really creative with the records that you brought out, and it made you really buy dope records. You couldn't because if a, if a record just had somebody's album had like one song or two songs on it. Unless you just had the bread like that or the space to keep the records like that, then you don't buy it, which put more pressure on the artists and on the labels to to, to create comprehensive uh, projects and not just a lead single. In those days, if it was just a single, it'd be a single and you just get the single. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, you yeah. know, but now it's easier. I can go in and out of all types of genres without bringing 50,000 records to the party, but it's kind of like going, it can be hard or more difficult 
Sometimes it's like going to the grocery store after you just smoke three blunts, and it's like, uh, what am I here for? What do I want? <laughs> right. Yeah. So, explain how you met or like got into Dead Dead Press. Mm-hmm. Like through that journey, because you you went to school, you did all that stuff, like teaching right. and all that stuff. Like, how did you even get uh, with Dead Press? Okay. Well. I left Atlanta, moved back to Chicago. When I moved back to Chicago, I got with with comrades because I wanted to make my time in Chicago meaningful. So at the time, I was in Atlanta working with an organization called the Youth Task Force. And we were at the time working with various members of the community, um, Mukasa Ricks, um, uh, the person who coined the term black power um, that before Kwame Ture RIP made it very popular. Mm. Um, Mukasa told me when I go back to the shy, I should link with uh, Mama Akua and Jerry, who is the mother of Fred Hampton Jr. Oh, wow. And the quote unquote widow of Fred Hampton Sr. Mm. When I got back to Chicago, I was working with Mama Kua and I was working with the the National Democratic, um, like the Uhuru movement, um, based out of um, St. Petersburg, Florida, with chapters throughout the United States. From my work from with Impedum, I began working with Mama Kua, just specifically with her. And at the time, Fred Hampton Jr., was in prison. So we were working on a campaign to free Fred and, uh, M Mutulu was working on that campaign also. And then he moved back to New York. I was still in Chicago and then we were already tight by then. And then when I would come to, to come to New York, I would always stay with him. Uh, my ex wife at the time was really tight with his girl at the time. And so, I would come to New York and we'd just be kicking it, building. Um, met Stick. Stick soon after had moved to Atlanta. Remember, I had just left Atlanta mm-hmm. to go back to Chicago to work. I was teaching school and DJing. And then I moved back to Atlanta. When I moved back to Atlanta from Chicago, um, Stick and I got real tight and our sons went to the same uh, independent uh, African home school, all boys home school mm. by the name of Sankofa, R.I.P. Baba Jim. And the then when a uh, opening for a DJ, I was doing merchandise and just, you know, creative stuff with DPs. And then in 2005, uh, a slot for a DJ came open and I was there and I was ready. And that was Damn, it was like that long ago, 14, <laughs> 14 years ago. Yeah, something like that. Wow. Yeah, yeah. So, wow. so, so, can you explain, like, how was that trip? Like, what, did you go like on tours and all that stuff? Like, um, how was it? Yeah, I mean, I've been six continents, probably forty some countries. Um, I've been all over the world except Antarctica. Uh, Yes, yeah, a lot of work. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, a work 
that's a privilege to do mm-hmm. for sure. But you know, I mean, I've I've gone all the way to Russia to do a show and came back the next day. Wow. You know what I mean? Stuff like that. Um, I was teaching school, you know, and moonlighting that at the same time. There would be times where, like, let's say we have a show in New York. I'm teaching in Atlanta. I would leave school at, like, 3 o'clock, ask a sister at the front desk because she hold my class down for the last hour before they dismiss school. I would drive to the airport, park my car at the airport, fly to, say, New York, land at 6.30, go to an 8 o'clock sound check, come back from the sound check, check in my room, Maybe get some food, go to the show, do the show, after the show stuff, yada, yada, yada. Come back to the room, take a shower, take what we call a coffin nap, which means like put on all your clothes after you get in the shower and stuff. And then just lay there for a hot second. Mm -hmm. Then the ride would take me to the airport at 4 a.m. to make a six o'clock flight to land at eight, grab my car and go teach school. Wow. Yeah. Wow. I was doing that. That's hustle, though. Crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's hustle. But you got to take care of your body. You got to take care of your mind. I was just about that. to say that, too, because a lot of artists also complain. Well, not complain, but they, they their health suffers mm-hmm. because of tour. Because mm-hmm. they don't get enough sleep. They don't get enough, they don't, they don't eat really well. Mm-hmm. Like, how? I don't yeah. even know if you could balance it. Like, I was about to ask you, how do you balance it? But I don't think you could, like. No, you can balance it be, because you have to be mindful of the task that's coming up. Okay. So if that means the night before, if you got to shut it down a little early, if you got to make sure that you stay hydrated, you got to make sure you keep positive people around you. That's the key. Um, Yeah. Listen to your body. And, you know, and then once you do that, the body is amazing. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? The body can persevere so much more, but you have to, prepare it's like stretching before an exercise you know just because you can do the exercise doesn't mean that you should just run and go do the exercise because then the next day you're paying for it or the next week you're paying for it Mm -hmm. so if i'm about to do that i prepare myself just like stretching before the exercise you also mentioned that your sons went to a homeschool yeah my son one son son. and i have a daughter Okay. Yeah. Um, how come, even though you're a teacher, how come you didn't put them in public school? Oh, because I knew too much and they're my, he's my son. So he knew too much. Mm-hmm. Um, but I wanted to give them both my son and my daughter, just uh building blocks. Uh, you know, when you're trying to build a found, when you're striving to build a foundation, it's very important that, that's the most important. You're building a house. Right. The foundation is the most important. You can have all the fancy aluminum siding and crown molding and all of that. But once that foundation cracks, then, you know, none of that means anything. So I want to make sure that my son had the best start that he could get beyond what I could give them. Mm-hmm. My time was split between teaching other people's children in the charter, which is still public sector. And um, quite frankly, when I knew that when I came home, I was spent. Mm-hmm. And I was coaching ball and doing all that also. 
So I needed for my son, it was a blessing. I needed my son to be somewhere where when I dropped him off in the morning, I knew that he he was only he was so good. He was better than if I had been at home homeschooling him myself. Okay. And that's who I trust him to. I trust him to the 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 great and never late James Cameron, aka Baba Jim, who's a soldier, R.I.P. him forever. Um really I, I couldn't have been more blessed. So for all the patience that it that it that it takes to be an active school teacher and to teach your own children, um, to be able to be present with, you know, just homework, projects, things of that nature. I'm blessed that I never, I don't even remember having to like help my Mm. children with their homework and stuff. Wow. The community was that, that holistic, you know, and, yeah, uh, it, it, you know, I thought that that was going to be an issue because when you learn the, about the bureaucracy in public education, you don't want to expose your children to that. I was just about to ask you. You said that you knew too much. Like I wanted to know, like yeah. with that, with that. Yeah, just you know, I just knew the game, the game of uh, of public school. You know, what I mean, the school is a it's like a a breeding ground for prison mm. in many ways. Mm, okay. You know, many public schools are set up like prisons. Yeah, with the metal detectors and stuff like oh, that. Yeah, beyond saying. the metal detectors. I'm talking about the quads, the houses that they're set in, um, just the way that the many of the buildings are designed, mm-hmm. the way they move students in the hallway. True. It's like how they move prisoners from during, or, or, during um uh, shift changes yeah. and things mm-hmm. of that nature. The bells, this. the bells, the, all of that, the the the, and and just the corp the the corporate punishment aspect of it. It just didn't feel good to me. And then once you know, you have an obligation to yourself to act like you know. But my children don't live in a box, so I want to give them that head start. And then if they want it to go. Because uh, my son graduated from there, so he had to go someplace. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he wanted to go to a a charter school. And I felt comfortable allowing him to go to that particular school at the time because I knew how prepared he was. Mm. You know, because he needed to learn. He needed to learn the other side of that also. Right. Right. Yeah. He needed to learn how to, like, be in a system. He didn't need to learn how to be in a system. He just needed to learn oh, about the system. that they even exist and how to maneuver in the within system. It. Yeah, because that's right. what within this, it. how to pimp it. Yeah, mm-hmm. within yeah. it. Yeah, because that's what this is. So he learned that there. So, you know, there were times when I would be frustrated with him about, let's say, his homework or whatever, or, or you know, missing an assignment, and basically. He was showing me like, yo, I'm I'm pimping this system. <laughs> like I'm gonna be good. The grades is gonna be straight. Like, relax, I got this. Mm-hmm. It's difficult to accept that as a parent, but you know, the children are the greatest teachers and they learn from you. So if you they say if you ever want to learn something better for yourself, teach it to someone else. So in teaching my children, I was reminded 
of some things that I already knew and they served as affirmations for me. So it allowed me to stay, to check myself and to remain results oriented, which for me was more about teaching a work ethic. The X's and O's, you know, I feel like if you can add, subtract, multiply, divide, and read and write, you can do whatever you want to do. Especially we live in the information age now. So if you want to learn how to, stitch your own forehead up after you bust your head like you can literally pull that up and do that yourself um but i my whole thing was work ethic because nothing will work unless you do i think Maya angelo said that so as long as my children got that i felt like the school stuff would be easy for them and it and it was that's what i want Mm -hmm. for my children yeah. I want them to be homeschooled. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't really trust the public schools to teach my kids what they need to know. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, my, my, my son from the age of five until 12 went to a homeschool collective. So, yeah, it was awesome. Yeah. And especially good to like, you know, homeschooling, I guess, because you it was like a, it was a it was a black homeschool schooling, black, all boys, all black, all boys. Yeah. So like probably no distractions. Stuff like that. You learn a little bit more about your ancestry. All of that, but they learn from each other. Mm. Okay. You know what I mean? Uh, there's a thing in school. I mean, we were all probably products of it. It's called um, um, like peer tutoring or learning from your peers. Sometimes your parents or your teachers' voices get stale. True. And sometimes one of your homeboys can teach you long division better than that stressed out teacher you got. Mm-hmm. So I think that's what they learn from each other with just the proper guidance. Mm. That's And that that's really without, and we talk about the distractions, is not the dis- distractions of, without the distractions of the bureaucracy. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, that type of stuff. So, and, you know, being able to, create your own curriculum pacing um, having the option if you wanted to participate in standardized tests or not and not having those tests um, be the rubric for your quote unquote success in life, not being tracked and charted at third grade um, Hmm. to make plans for the prison industrial complex. Cause that's real. That's how early you know the 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 vigilance and the 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 predictions start so yeah it was just good to be able to escape that and when i came home i could like chill with my kids yeah and not be stressed out about more of the bureaucracy that i just punched out from i love that how do you feel about does he want to go to college my son was in college he's 19 he was in, yeah. he, he was in college at uh, north carolina central Spending his time mm-hmm. uh, finessing that and creating music nice. uh, in his dorm room. And I told him that's a very expensive studio. So, <laughs> so you should stop doing that. <laughs> Leave that school and come to New York if you want to. And you can pursue that and whatever else you want to. So I told him to drop out. Stop that. Oh wow! Wow. Yeah. wow! See, not a lot that's of parents. Not, yeah, that's not a lot of parents. My mom hated me like when that. I dropped out. That's rare. She was like, 
What you mean you leaving school? Like, nah, you know, nah. Like, mm-mm. Because I know better, and I have the debt to prove it. <laughs> so it's like, you know, he was there. He's a smart, you know, smart young man. And he didn't have a major. He was going to a private Shit. black college. HBCU, okay. Right. And yeah, no I know that every year what those bills are going to look like mm-hmm. and I'm not taking them on and I don't want to set him up to be in debt. No. So I felt like what you really want to do or you're into music and fashion and stuff that I'm your dad. Fuck is you doing? <laughs> like, right. Get out of that. Yeah. Cause if you ever want to go back to any college, you'll gladly take your money. Right. For and, sure. and then today, I mean, you can go to college from your robe, you know, smoking a blunt in your living room. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Online yeah. school. So Online yeah, school, we yeah. stopped that. That that was a, a source of some contention between uh his mom and I, but whatever. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. What about your daughter? My daughter is right on his heels. My daughter's finishing up high school in Atlanta still. My daughter's super focused. She's like a professional dancer. Okay. She's been dancing in the same troupe for mad years now. They think they're like fifth in the in the nation. Wow. Um, She's doing her thing. She just went on her junior prom. She got a little boyfriend in now and shit. Mm-hmm. She's she doing her thing. She's doing her thing. I'm happy for her. Does she want to go to college too as well? Yeah, she's going to be, if she stays healthy, knock on whatever. I don't know if this is real wood. <laughs> um, I tell all the time, you know, you're an athlete, so you need to train like an athlete and rest and recoup and all that. But she wants to come to New York. It's a couple schools that she has on her um, on, on her horizon think um if it's like Fordham or SUNY Purchase or it's another one, but they all have like great dance program. I think uh Fordham has an Alvin A. Lee partnership and all of that. She's really, really good. I was mm. I was about to cause you talked about public schools. I just want to know your take on college. Like yeah. or even HBCUs at that. Yeah. Um I'm all about skills. You know what I'm saying? Okay. I'm about you know, I kinda unite with with Booker T. Washington. Okay. Versus, not to put him versus anybody. Versus WEB. Yeah, but I want, I, that's why I stopped that. Okay. <laughs> because I feel like, you know, in modern times, if you don't have a plan that makes college a prerequisite for your success, then I feel like if it's about learning, then you should just learn the things you need to learn. Now, if you're in something where that information is gatekept or you need these um this approval um from a source that is supposed to be higher than yourself, right? Mm-hmm. So let's say you want to be a heart surgeon, right? Although you can read up on how to do heart surgeries, but you know, maybe you you want to go to college for that because you have to have those degrees and those certifications. You need the lab time. You need all those things. Yeah. You know, if you want to be a lawyer and you have to have a law degree in order to take the bar and pass the bar, then I get it. If you want to be a civil engineer and you got to go through all of that, then I get it. But if you're not into a, a trade or a career that makes college absolutely essential then i say save that money and bypass that unless someone's gonna pay for your your school you got scholarships and you want to go try it out 
mm-hmm. then, you know, you know, experience is the greatest teacher. Sometimes yeah. you got to eat food that you don't like to respect the food that you love. Mm-hmm. If you want to go play around with that on somebody else's dime, they owe you that and more anyway, then go do it. Otherwise, I say let's extract the skills that are needed for that career mm-hmm. to be successful in that. And if we can extract those skills and start working on the mastery of those skills, then by the time you are, you know, finishing college, say 21, 22 years old, you know, if you knew what you wanted to do, which will change. But if you had an idea and you were gathering those skills and extracting and practicing, you'll be a beast versus someone who just finished school with no experience and but a, a gang of debt. Right. No, we, we, I'm not into not that. Into- no. I feel you on that. Not at all. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I left college because I realized I wanted to do music. Yeah. I was in school for fashion. Both both of us actually was in school for fashion, mm-hmm. uh, merchandising. And I left. I was like, I, I got good grades and I never had problems. I just was like, I can't do this. Mm-hmm. You know, because I, I, I wasn't the biggest academic, mm-hmm. academics type of guy. Like, I don't really even like school, honestly. I don't like doing project <laughs> projects. He's like, mm-hmm. most people don't. No, like, yeah, I don't think it's, it doesn't like, it, like, when I do projects, it doesn't like teach me anything mm-hmm. more than like if I read a book or anything. Like, if I read a book that I want to read, I learn more, a little bit more than anything. Mm-hmm. But like, me, like, learning about Ricardo Tishi or whatever from Javanchi and shit don't really give me any type of substance in life. I feel you. So I had to leave that, mm-hmm. leave that alone. And then uh, I was looking at music, like, Majors and shit, mm-hmm. and it wasn't nothing that was even grabbing me. And I was like, let me just teach my myself that, yeah. you know. Like, so I do agree with you on that. Like, I was uh, always telling her, like, yo, I think if if I have a child, I would tell my child to go to college, right? To to like network mostly, or just to see what the hell you want to do with your life. But I always would tell my child, like, make sure you plan your life. Yeah, let me tell you something, man. <laughs> You know, and you look at it like this. If you wanted to, let's say you finished high school and you and five of your buddies mm. wanted to start a horticulture business. So you wanted to cut grass, plant flowers, do shrubberies and all that. Right? Yeah, yeah. Your dad, say I'm your dad. And I say, all right, bet. That's what y'all into. It's five of y'all, or six of y'all. All right. I'm going to get y'all three lawnmowers, right? And then one of your other buddies' dad say, all right, well, shit, then I'm going to get all the rest of the things that yeah, you yeah, might yeah. need. And then one of your other buddies say, all right, y'all going to need a van. I'm going to get the van, yeah. right? And then one of the other buddies, he said, I'm going to work out all your contracts and make sure y'all got all your taxes and everything straight. So you can go into business for yeah. yourself, right? Start a business, yeah, for sure. Go to, But let's say you had that idea and then have the three lawnmowers it didn't have these resources you went to a bank and said yo i need like about five g's to get this off the ground that's a small business loan yeah that's a super small loan 100 percent. they'll tell you to go kiss ass they would <laughs> and not only because you're black though too but no because because you because you're poor because you because yeah. if because if you had the five g's you wouldn't need it from them Right. right. That 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 idea supersedes race. But that same bank will let you borrow two hundred thousand dollars over however many years to go to school for the promise 
right? Because you'll sign a promissory note okay. for the promise that you'll make enough money plus interest mm-hmm. to pay that back for the promise. Mm-hmm. But that's what's here to maintain the balance of power to keep that proverbial monkey or gorilla off your on your back. Mm-hmm. So in in theory, you know, I just I just don't unite with that. You know what I mean? I feel like if you know what you want to do when you're young, although that may and probably will change, mm-hmm. you stand a better chance at pursuing that and then meeting people along the way and, and digging deep into that. And then if that does change, at least you leave with a skill that you may revisit or that may propel you to something else versus spending thousands upon thousands upon thousands of dollars to see what you think you might want to do. See a lot of, a lot of students are tapping out their resources before they, they're tapping their parents out, they're tapping their aunts and uncles and shit out before they even give themselves a chance. So now you've grown, now you're 28 years old and you're like, all right, look, I think I know what I want to do now. And they like, shit, I'm, I'm tapped out now. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. I've been trying to help you on this bullshit. Now I ain't got no more bread. So that's that's what I'm about, man. And if and if you going to major in something that's not even going to pay you a salary that's even worth anything to pay those loans back, then that's 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 backwards, man. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I agree. I never was into school. <laughs> I didn't even think about college. But it's a serious... I going to be a free spirit. It's a serious thing that's plaguing our community because um, a, a lot of times many of us don't have the faith in ourselves that we wish we had. So we're waiting to be accredited or affirmed by an entity that we truly deem higher than ourselves. Mm. And that's the problem. Mm. Drop the gem. <laughs> He's about to put on his back on his glasses right there. Glasses back on. <laughs> wow. Um all right, let's switch let's switch some topics. Yeah, that's a tough one though. Yeah. That that's mm-hmm. the, you gotta digest that one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They might have music? to play that one yeah, again. Yeah, was, yeah. Uh at the at the Brooklyn Circus event, um obviously you spoke on your relationship with Jay Diller's estate and Mom Dukes. Like can yeah. you talk about like how you met Diller? Like did you know Diller personally? I, I never met Diller. Uh, um I just I love the music. I've been inspired. I love Detroit. I got a lot of buddies in Detroit. And um, I had an opportunity some years ago to meet uh, my Dukes and Tony and the people who are really um, making sure that uh, Dilla's legacy is kept intact, you know, and fire burn all the bootleggers and all that. But then they're making sure that, like, Dilla's MPC was in the Smithsonian and things of that nature. So, um, you know, I just took an, uh, an affinity and I just, I just love, I love the music. Cause I love what the music did in a time of commercial music. So I like that. Um, Dilla passed some complications from lupus. Yeah. Um, and says Western medicine, I'm an 18 year cancer survivor. Mm. Wow. So I just kind of united with the movement and, I'm just cool with the fam. And so when opportunity came, I was like, well, yeah, I should do it because I know I'm going to make sure I do it right. And it ain't going to be no, you know, bootleg T-shirts out here that's not giving nothing back to the foundation. And 
I'm going to do the music right and, you know what I mean, and mm-hmm. BK Circus, it's, it's going to be right. Yeah. You know what I mean? So that's that's my connection. But if I want to get my Dukes a tone on the phone right now, I, I can do that and, you know, and I, I fuck with them. They fuck with me. That's dope. Yeah. Can you stay... We gonna we could touch on culture and this music. It's still music related. Mm-hmm. Nipsey Hussle just passed recently. Yeah. Uh, are you familiar with his music? If anything, I, I am. How did you feel like with, with his passing? I have, I have a few thoughts, man. And let it all out. Um. All right. In this life, there's a huge gray area. You know what I mean. Everything's not black and white. So there's this, but if I want to be totally transparent, you know I mean, there's a side of me. Well, first, before I say that, I want to say that what I see now based on the, the calling for his spirit. And I, I you know we're talking, so we're using words. Okay. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I tread really gingerly with these words because all of these words have experiences that are related to them and what one word means to me may mean something different to someone else. Mm-hmm. Sometimes there are no words. The words, we use words because words describe natural phenomena. Mm-hmm. All right. So for the sake of words, it seems to me in my observation that he's like a martyr, right? For the for, and I don't want to tie him to that word specifically, but just because we're using words because we're talking, and I don't have another word. Okay. Um, I see he's being celebrated as a uh, as a martyr. I should say that. Yeah. Um. So I preface it with that, but I would, you know, not even, but to add on, I have a few thoughts. One side of me says some cars are not worth a new paint job. Another side of me says, I respect the guy who puts that much work and time into that car. So, you know, you kind of have to ask me on a particular day, but I respect, and I think you get where I'm going with that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I love my people. I love niggas. I am niggas. I love black people. Okay. At the same time, I love them so much that sometimes, like, sometimes I need space from myself. (laughs) My own colonial thoughts that I'm battling in this mental side. Right? Mm -hmm. Sometimes I need space from myself. Sometimes I need to step outside of myself, let alone another black man or a black woman. Why is that? Because you 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 know too you know too much. Uh, it's just that when I know the effects of colonization, neocolonialism, and the menticide and the problems that plague oftentimes your unconscious mind. It's generational in, mm-hmm. in many ways. So sometimes I need to step back from myself. Sometimes I think some fucked up shit and I need to step back and be like, what the fuck is you on? Where did that come from? 
Sometimes I need to do that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I don't need to be around nobody, let alone some of my folks. But what happens, you know, I see myself when I see you. Yeah. If I see you doing some dumb shit, depending on how I feel that day, I might either leave you where you are doing your dumb shit or I may try to redirect if I feel like the energy is needed, but maybe you're just doing the wrong thing, you know, or I can use my insight or my awareness that maybe I see the forest and the trees and I can say, man, that same energy that you're putting into that. If you were to put that over here, you'll be popping, bro. Right? Yeah. But I don't always feel like that. Sometimes I'd be like, this motherfucker is stupid. Let me go over here. Mm-hmm. So as much as I understand wanting to restore your community, sometimes you need a new car and not a new paint job. You know? But then, but then if you don't have money for a new paint job or a new car in this parallel that I'm using and that vehicle is your vehicle yeah. that you have where I may be like, man, you got a, you, you got a, a gasket blown. It's going downhill from there, bro. Maybe you don't need a car right now. If you can't afford another one, maybe you need to redirect your life where it's not contingent upon having to have a car. But that's me. Who am I to say what someone else's mission or plight is? Because right. a part of me says, man, you could put Marathon in the Beverly Mall and you could charge double for those sweatshirts and jackets and tees. And you could take that money and, and, put, put, that, it back in and put that back. But, I, you know, I can't tell nobody how to protest. Yeah. I don't want to, and I can't tell nobody how to love. It's not like riding a bike, so it's difficult. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's very, very sad. Um, and a lot of people. I'm from the South Side of Chicago. I've lost so many people that I knew directly or through a third party. You know what I mean? And people be trying to do good shit, man. But you know, um, in this model. Of capitalism, there will always be more have-nots than haves. That's how this system works. Yeah. Right? That's how it survives. Mm Mm-hmm. And, you know, if the have-nots see the haves shining too much, quote-unquote, in their mind, it's, it's a painful reminder of how much how much you may not have or think that you don't have. You know what I mean? Yeah. And with that is a whole cocktail of oppression, misguided energy that can make you black out and do some shit like kill a dude that you didn't took mad pictures with. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, that you really love. Right. But hate is a byproduct of love. Yep. You have to give a fuck enough. To really hate something. And so what that murder says to me, that was a crime of passion. That was a crime of hate. Which is fueled by the prison industrial complexes, which is 
uh, fueled by the 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 fake war on drugs. You know what I mean? And you know, he just that young man. If that young man did that, I don't know. I wasn't there. But whoever did that, I feel. And I again, I wasn't there. I feel like that is um, that is just a an effect of the cause. You know what I mean? And, and 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 it's too bad that there are so many instances like that mm. where people black out from a lot of rage, a lot of just ego-centered jealousy, and they don't often have the tools mm-hmm. to navigate their feelings. Sometimes they don't have the words or the courage to use those words. Right. And you get in a situation and someone feels that their ego is threatened and anything can happen. It happens every day out here. It does. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But shouts to um, his family and the legacy that um, Nipsey Hussle left here, um, his his work in STEM, his work in um, just real estate. Yeah. Uh, entrepreneurship um, and his life can be a shining example for someone either on Crenshaw and Slauson or in Tuskegee, Alabama somewhere of what they can do and hopefully what they do you know is you take the best parts and you learn and you learn from the glows and the grows and that's what you have to do and that's going to look different for every person. Right. Yeah. I, I, I feel like Nipsey Hussle's death, what it did was, um, like, I understand, what you, I understand what you was talking about. You know, people might look to him as Jesus, even. Yeah. Like, you I got some people, like, look, at him, look to him as Jesus or, like, you know, like, make a lot of these, you know, assumptions. I just feel like he did so much for the neighborhood, right, and that it broadcasted everywhere. That it was it was it was important. You feel what I'm saying? Like everybody now, black and brown, could have someone to look up to. Cause I don't think we even had that before, honestly. Or that's someone that's so like popular. I don't think we had that. I don't know if you can name somebody else. Um like so popular amongst this generation though. Amongst this generation that has that that had that much effect on everyone. I mean they're, they're... I mean you had Tupac, but yeah, there are people. I mean, Jay Z is mad popular. Oh yeah, of course. But like, not like, I don't think I don't think people, I don't think people look to him. I feel like people that love hip hop know Jay Z is there for hip hop, but mm-hmm. we don't know what he does outside of that. We we don't hear Jay Z speak. We heard Nipsey Hussle speak a lot, you know. So we watch his interviews, and then whatever he said, he actually did. And Jay-Z does a lot for the community, don't get me wrong. And then whatever, I'm pretty sure he does a lot more that we don't even know about, but we don't know. And with this information, this technology, this uh, the technology, right, if it's not there on Instagram or Twitter or BET or whatever it is, like whatever the outlets is, if we don't see it, we don't know about it. Yeah. Yeah, but many people learned of Nipsey Hussle's accomplishments. Um, Through his death. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, and you know, however you need to get it is how you get it. But, you know, a lot of, a lot, I'll just, I'll leave it, I'll leave that like that. Right. And then, no, I, I agree with you, but I'm saying like, even, but even his interviews was out there to look, look for. 
Uh-huh. Whereas like Jay Z, we don't know. Like we wouldn't know. Period. But when Jay Z speaks, we all listen. But I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess I, I would. I would lean less on, and not that you are or anything, but I, I would lean less on what's popular and more on the influences that are in your life and your family every day, you know, um, because sometimes these things, and they're very, very sad, but they get, um, they get, they get sensationalized. People romanticize True. about it all and they forget some of the jewels that are right in front of them, some of the resources that are right in front of him. You just had Ouija here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Um, you know, so I, I, I want, I want like, yeah, I remember Charles Barkley said some decades ago on a controversial uh, Nike ad. And he was like, I'm not your role model. Right. And what he meant by that. And not that I unite with Charles Barkley. But what he meant by that was like, it ain't me. I'm, I do shit. I be fucking up. I don't really, I'm not really invested in your life, but your uncle is, your mom is, your cousin is, your homie really is. And what he was like, what he basically was saying, stop glorifying these, uh, mere mortal strangers. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I want us to, you know, love each other more because yeah, Nipsey Hussle's death was a tragedy, but, so was your man's that got shot, you know, the week prior or 100%. the day or the day after. 100%. And because your man's may not be as popular, he doesn't have, the, you know, you don't have to barricade the streets off and and he doesn't have uh, FOI and all of that, you know, to show up for his death. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And that's the motherfucker who gave you the bread on his sandwich. Mm-hmm. Mm. You know I, mean? I, I I agree with you. I just feel like, you know, what if what if the kids don't have those inspirations within their lives? Like you got, you got some kids that, that their mother is not really like they don't they don't inspire. They're not inspired to be like their mother or, they, or their mother doesn't inspire them. Their father doesn't inspire them. Father yeah. probably not in their life. Right. The uncles is not there. Mm-hmm. The aunties, even even the, even the friends, because you grew, you grow up around the environment. Mm hmm. Practically every guy I know, every mm-hmm. all probably all my bros don't have pops in their lives. True mm-hmm. or not? Mm-hmm. Yeah, right? We like, we don't, like we don't have fathers in our lives. We don't have like role models to look up to. So mm-hmm. I think that's why we look up to like people like I don't. I don't think we look up to them mostly because they're like celebrity, mm-hmm. but only because they're doing the right thing. Like well, yeah. Jay Z and them. Yeah, and, and, and I mean Nipsey also speaks to a, a different demographic. Also, so he's a younger voice um, that can speak to a certain um, segment that may be on your radar versus, mm. you know, Dr. Umar, Umar Johnson. Johnson. I but I'm just but, saying. Yeah, right, right. But you for like someone I mean? that's like me, they probably wouldn't even know who Dr. Umar Johnson is. And, and that's very likely. Yes. But, hey, you know, it's like math, man. You know, it's a lot of ways to come up with the answers. So however you can get it is as long as you got it. Mm. True. You know? Yeah. Mm. Gems on gems. <laughs> you, I feel like you I'm had, just absorbing everything. You're absorbing shit. So um, I'm looking at you. Yeah. You have a lot of tattoos. And I know some people get meaningless tattoos, but I, don't, I doubt that yours are meaningless. Like, can mm. you run through some of your... Oh, gosh. I mean, you'd have to... 
You'd have to tell me which one you're looking at. Okay, <laughs> let me see. I yeah. see some tribal art on your face. Uh-huh. Hmm. Or how about the ones on your nose? Uh, these are Thunderbird tracks on my nose. The Thunderbird tracks are signs of uh, of good luck in your walks. Uh, they're native uh, Navajo. Mm. Um, I have a few stories. I'll tell you one story, and I don't, and I don't eat up the time. Okay. <laughs> it's, it's a good story. Okay. So, yeah. I'm going to take my gold teeth out for that one. <laughs> okay. So check this out. I was, um, I was teaching school in Atlanta. I have this Uraeus this um, spitting cobra in the middle of my forehead, right? Uh, I was teaching school and a lot of people were like, oh, you got the t- tattoos after you would teach. No, I had face tats while I was teaching school. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. You was one of the cool teachers then. Yeah, well, you know, a tattoo, you have a federal right, uh, a, a, a Title Seven federal right to a scar, okay? A tattoo is a scar legally, Um and that's a, a you have a right to your religious expression, mm-hmm. but your your religion could be Mike Flowism. Mm. Okay, mm-hmm. we'll get back to that. But anyway, <laughs> um, I had visions of these uh, pharaohs and the snakes and and the cobras, and I was like, damn, I should get that tattoo. But I was like, that's mad aggressive. If I go in the middle of my forehead. In between my eyes and my pineal gland, that's strong. Am I ready for that? I said, let me sit on that for a minute, right? Fast forward. Um, my wife and I at the time, we had split. She said, oh, the kids want to do Kwanzaa. I was like, shit, I don't really do Kwanzaa, but all right. I mean, I unite with the Nguzo Saba. Okay. I, just, I just think Kwanzaa should be in August, but that's another thing. So anyway, I was like, all right, let's um do Kwanzaa. So I came by the house. My children were really young at the time. And so we was, I forget what day it was at Kwanzaa, but anyway, I was over at the house that I used to live in. Mm-hmm. Okay. Ding dong, ding dong. There's the doorbell. The, 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 the neighbor says to my ex-wife, and you tell your guest to move his car. Now, he doesn't know who I am. And I do this is my house, but whatever. Okay. I said, it's cool. Let me go out and meet him. So I go out. I go to shake his hand. He barely gives me his hand. He's like, yeah, just move the car. My wife is on the way home. I said, damn. All right. So thoughts of who the fuck do you think you're talking to? Um, Who do you think I am? Right. I had to put all that in my pocket because I felt like the thing to do was to get back in the house because I came to do Kwanzaa. But these are the these are the type of things when you talk about blackout moments that mm-hmm. people have and this misplaced rage. Because I got a more than enough shit to be mad about. Feel me? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I said, okay. Well, I'm sorry. You know, and again, like I'm not in his driveway. Okay, I just parked across the street from the crib, which was like, and he has a house that he was renting across the street. I wasn't like. In a driveway, it wasn't blocking his steps. I'm on a public street. He's like, move your car. My wife is on the way home. I said, man, I'm sorry it's like that. Because I got my shift fly. I said, I popped. I said that as I was walking to the car. This dude's like 6'5", security guard dude, about 350 pounds with a wandering Batman eye. <laughs> 
in the sky. <laughs> so he's like, what you trying to talk? You trying to be smart and all this shit, right? Came over to my car. My windows were up. Now, about a week prior to that, I had gone to the gun show because that's what you do in Atlanta, in the South. I went to the gun show. At that show, I didn't buy a gun. I bought a big-ass fucking Rambo knife because I was like, I want to start going fishing again. I had been fishing since I was little. So I had like the compass on it. It was really, really nice. I bought it from this dude from North Carolina. But I had the I had the knife in my middle console, right? Mm-hmm. This is going. This is the story of the tattoo. Oh. <laughs> so he's like beating on my car door. I go into the middle console, and I'm like, "Damn, I'm gonna have to stab this dude." <laughs> but I'm scared. I don't want to stab him. No. My daughter is out on the porch now. It's a scene. Mm-hmm. Now, this guy has made a scene. I reach for it, but I'm. I, I know in the gravest extreme, once you reach. Then it's a whole different ball game if I pull out. Yeah, mm-hmm. sure. He left, ran to his car, popped the trunk. I'm like, wow, it's about to get really real. So real quick in my mind, I'm like, he's going for a gun. All right. I'm going to have to get out of here. Yeah. All right. So he goes to the trunk, pulls out a golf club. Now I'm thinking this dude is big as shit, out of shape, like. I can avoid the golf club and I gut this motherfucker out. <laughs> Fish fillet, right? As he reached for the golf club, just just like this, his wife pulls up. Really, he was on some bullshit anyway. Cause then they pulled up. He was allowing them to hold him back. He's like Matt, big, they're little. And I'm like, yeah, okay. So I didn't have to pull the knife out. But I told my children, this is a wrap for tonight. I have a run that I need to make. Call me, lock the doors. They're all apologizing and shit, but I don't know what this dude is on. But I got a run I need to make. And I went right around the corner to my homegirl, Sophie, who did this tattoo. She lives in Brooklyn now, full circle. But uh, I said, I need some protection. And either I was going to go back to the gun show and get a fucking gun and with a concealed carry permit, because I was a teacher, like I could do that yeah, right. <laughs> with no problems. Or I was going to find another means of protection. So I got this Uraeus, this spitting cobra in the middle of my forehead to help protect me. And it's worked. Mm. So sometimes I don't have to spit. The cobra spits. People think I'm crazy. Sometimes they stay away from me. That's great. People who don't think that are welcoming, and that's cool. Mm-hmm. And so, it, you know, that incident saved his life because I would have shot him. If I'd have had a gun in that middle console, yeah. when he reached for the shit, whatever was in his trunk, right? I would have got out that car and I would have shot him. And you had the means, so you wouldn't even get arrested probably. Yeah, I mean, I would have went to jail. I would have got out. Yeah. I would have beat it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but um, so yeah, I got the Uraeus, <laughs> and that's and that's the story of that tattoo. Okay, but they all have their own little stories. So every tat on your like your body or your face only probably has, oh everywhere oh, has a story though behind. They all do. Yeah, all the, yeah. So like we'll be here all night. It'll be like an impulse type of thing. Some are impulsive. 
Um, I'm not really an impulsive person, though. So even in that situation, it may seem like I've made an impulse Impulsive. decision, but I remember I was already you just thinking, thinking about, about it. Yeah, that. Mm-hmm. I was just waiting for the right time. I see that you can probably got like some Adinkra symbols. Maybe I have some Adinkra symbols. Um, I like Ashanti art, and I like West Africa. Okay, mm-hmm. now what what like what trend like what because you just like it is like that's what made you put it on anybody. Um, or like what it re- represents as well. Too. Yeah, my tattoos. Good question. My my tattoos are affirmations. Things that I need, I want reminders of that I deem is important to me. But my face is no different than the back of my hand, as mm-hmm. far as I'm concerned. Mm-hmm. But we, you know, oftentimes in Western culture, so much attention is put on the face and all the True. the vanity that's supposed to come with that, and you know. But I just don't really subscribe to that. So the things that are on my face are on my face because I probably want to see them more than I want to see some on the back of my arm. Mm. So when I'm brushing my teeth in the morning, you know, I have different thoughts or if someone else sees them and they ask and it puts it right back on my plate as to the reason why I got it. Mm-hmm. So that's what my tattoos serve for me. Do you, do you keep a count? Like, do you know how many you have? I stopped, man. Uh, my children were counting about 10 years ago and it was like a hundred and something, but they were counting pieces that were like a part of one piece in my mind. So they were like, it seemed like it was more than that. But I just go like, I'm saving some, some real estate because I didn't want to tap out too young mm-hmm. and, and be older and want tattoos and only have to get blast overs. So I say a, a little real estate, but right now probably on the percentile, cause I can't really count them. Probably. Um, I got about 85% coverage. Mm. Oh, wow. Yeah. Jeez. Yeah. I love tats though. And I think, uh, I just got a tattoo, two tattoos before I came. Here. I see that one right there. I think, is there one right there too? As oh, I got that the other day. Okay. You just but, got that. Uh, I, I got a, um, oh, okay. I had a Nefertiti up here and then I got a, a, a tut right, right here. Right there. I see it. Yeah. But I just got you that just got before that. I walked over here. And I see you have an onk. I got an onk. I got a bunch of stuff. Arm symbols, um, karma symbols. I got stuff, man. I've been around. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, yeah, for sure. I didn't know it even was. <laughs> I didn't even know your story was like even that deep. Like even like you coming from Chicago, even yeah. which is like. Speak a little bit about Chicago. Like, how do you feel about the music coming out of there right now? You got Chance the Rapper. You got Sabo. You got No Name. No Name. Who else? You got Jamila Woods. You got uh Purple, Joey mm-hmm. Perp. Yeah. Like, how you feel I like about? Him. Yeah, I like him too. Yeah. Um, there's some artists that. I like, and then there's just some stuff I just don't really unite with. Okay. From Chicago? From Chicago. Um, I guess I'm what I'm really not into, and I don't know, and maybe my son could tell me because maybe this term doesn't even exist anymore. I'm just not into the drill music. Yeah, it still mm-hmm. exists, but like, yeah. Okay. I, but, you know, things morph, and they be turned For sure. into something else or whatever. Yeah. Um, I'm not into... Chief to Keith the, and shit. Yeah, I'm yeah. not into that. Um, but Chief Keith... Did get better, yeah. Yeah, he did. He did. You know what I mean? And he I worked do on his craft. I do respect people that work on their craft. Yeah, I don't. As an open format DJ, I feel like it's my job to be familiar with a lot of things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. So I can respect some of it more than I actually like it. Yeah. Um. 
I downloaded a Joey Perp song the other day because I thought it was a good dance record. Um, I I don't really listen to Chance the Rapper, but I respect his pen. Mm-hmm. Um, I like I like Vic Mensa. I love, love Vic Mensa. Yeah. I like him. I listen to him. Yeah, I bought his project. Buy his projects. I liked him even with kids these days. Mm-hmm. Um, who else from Chicago do I like? I mean, I like a lot. Of, I mean, you know, people from Chicago. It's a lot of dope shit in Chicago. There's so much dope shit in Chicago. So much like you know, talented talent. me- yeah, uh, talent. musicians. Like even like like we just mentioned like Saba. I think he's like the yeah. next. He's dope. Not I like, like him. Like like really great and like mm-hmm. very descriptive, but different type of rap scheme. Scheme. Mm-hmm. I think No Name is kind of bringing it back on on some like Taleb Kweli type things. Yeah, yeah. It's like a different feel, like that 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 poetic. Yeah, you know, like I love my my Stop my up. favorite. Um, I mean, next to like Kanye mm. and maybe some of Commons. I about to say Commons. Older stuff. I really like the hypnotic brass ensemble. That's my favorite group out of Chicago. I never heard of them. Never heard them. Yeah, open your life up. The, <laughs> the Hypnotic Brass Ensemble. It's a hip-hop group? Uh, well, they are hip-hop inspired. They are, they are brass instrument players. Oh, oh so it's so just like instrumental. Trumpets, uh, fucking um, tubas, uh, trombones. They are... Seeds of a legend, uh, Phil Karan, um, that was a huge pioneer of the uh, black jazz, uh, free jazz movement in Chicago uh, during the 60s and 70s. And they are offspring, all brothers of uh, Phil Karan, the Hypnotic Brass Ensemble. Hypnotic Brass Ensemble. Right. You looking it up? I'm looking it up now. Yeah. Uh-huh. I, I taught some of their family and everything. So they, I really like them a lot. I saw them come from the streets when they didn't even have a drummer and they beating on buckets to uh, headlining things in Paris and all over the place. That's dope as hell. Yeah. Did you ever meet um, an artist from Chicago too, like Common? Oh yeah, yeah. I used to teach. I I, I met. I mean, shit. I can, <laughs> I can I can say I know Com. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Like I done more than just met him. Um, I used to work for his mom, so his mom's a principal. At the first school that I taught at, uh, John Hope Academy, oh, wow. I think uh, Dr. Hines, I think she is retired by now. But, uh, yeah, she one of the coolest principals I ever worked for. Wow. Yeah. That's dope. You mentioned, <laughs> you mentioned Kanye. Kanye is our favorite of oh, all time. I love Kanye. Yeah, yeah, I have like, any I Kanye like, stories. I, I like Kanye. Um, <laughs> I yeah, it. I do have a Kanye story. He said Please I need tell it. <laughs> I was in um, Dr. Wax. Uh, long live Dr. Wax. So this was a record store in Chicago in uh, Hyde Park in Harper's Court. Um, and I had a buddy uh, named Dwayne who used to work at Dr. Wax and my buddy Taiwan Davis and a bunch of other folks that really helped me grow my um, my record collection when I came back to Chicago from Atlanta. Cause remember I had all my mom's records mm-hmm. and I'd never belonged to any record pools or anything like that. Cause I felt like I don't want to get a bunch of shit that I don't like. Yeah. So everything that I have is like hand selected. Right. But in, in the, in the days, some, some record stores didn't have listening stations. 
so you, you you know I had people in the record store to be like they know what I like and they like no check that out and you have to just trust them and you buy the record right so one day I'm in there I'm digging and I know like I'm, I'm, I know some people that Kanye used to really really uh, jam with before um, his global stardom and fame yeah. right so we share some mutual friends I was digging for some shit I saw him in there I knew who he was at that because I, I knew him at that point as just a dope producer that was mm. from the crib you yeah, know what I'm saying yeah. and I saw him stumble up upon a record that I knew because I was like I got that record and I was like yo it's some shit on that record like get that record and he was like don't tell me nothing <laughs> because like and he told you in the song, you can't tell me nothing. He nah, said yeah, that. for sure. Yeah, he doesn't <laughs> take advice on nothing. He's like, don't tell me nothing because I don't want to hear later on. Like, I guess he was trying to say something like, I don't want to hear that maybe you put me on to right. this mm. or you want claims to this. Or yeah. Some fucking uh, paranoid shit he was on. Mm-hmm. But um, I love Kanye. You know what I mean? <laughs> But that was my Kanye story. And I was like, all right, well, fuck, you know, whatever, nigga. <laughs> you know? Right. That sounds very Kanye as yeah. well. I was like, whatever, good luck. You know what I mean? It was like late, late 90s? This was, no, nah, this was um about 2002. Damn. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's when Kanye was getting into his bag. Yeah. And started like probably like around that time started getting conceited. Yeah, I mean, he had, done, he had done some stuff. I mean, he had, he did, uh, a lot of people don't know this, he did the remix to, uh, one of the remixes to uh, Hip Hop for Dead Press. Uh, I did not know that. Yeah, Kanye did the remix to that. But, uh, and Dead Press is coming up on um, 20 years of Let's Get Free next year. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. So, yeah, it was around, he was popping, you know, it was about to really, really, really kick up, because I think soon after that, he did the uh the the him and Just Blaze that did the blueprint for mm-hmm. Jay Z and then he was out of here. Yeah. Did you ever meet like um any other producers that's like probably like legendary right now? Just Blaze, even I Pete met, Rock, Premier. No ID. No ID even from because he's from Chicago. I met all those people. Yeah. No IDs. <laughs> I can call them up. What? Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Don't tell us that. Don't tell- <laughs> <laughs> they love him. Don't, Don't tell us that, he, right? He might answer my call. What? Do you have a no ID story? Like, even like, did, did you ever work with him? Maybe get in the I studio just listening? I didn't work. Okay, so I don't have a no ID story, but no ID was working with some, some producers. Um, like he had like some producers on his, and I won't say his staff, but like he had some producers that he was working with, right? You know, and that he was good with. And I did a project with one of them, um, and I don't want to just attach him to no ID because he's his own man. Uh, his name is Extreme, and I did a couple joints with Extreme. But in hindsight, I mean, the beats were dope. I, you know, I was so militant black power yeah I, I listened to some of those records recently and they, they were interesting mm-hmm. but I don't have a no ID story no. particularly my good buddy uh, Mickey Halstead who's another beast but he kinda um, I don't know if he's, Mickey's putting out any records now but he manages um, 
Herbo. Oh, wow. Yeah. But uh, how you feel about Herbo? Mickey and, and No Idea, like brothers, they real to- real real close. Um, I think he's improving too. Okay. Cool. I like I like I like his spirit. Um, and I, so his rap style is growing on me. I was just about to say a lot of people say that he raps off beat. Exactly. Almost. Exactly. But I understand. The passion, That's right. and I understand the 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 need to hurry up sometimes. What you mean? Um, it's like someone who may stutter, someone who may stutter, baby, processing thoughts and hurry up and trying to hurry up and get them out, and that may come across um, not as smooth as someone else. Mm-hmm. So I understand the angst that a, a young artist from Chicago probably lives with. And I understand the need to want to put that out and and express that and communicate that. So if that is and maybe that has, you know, helped put a stamp on a style for him. So maybe he's off beat, quote unquote, because as people would say, I didn't say that, but maybe because he's trying to get so much off. Yeah, yeah. And maybe we're maybe we're just used to thinking in four four time signatures, and maybe he's on the the the, the one and the three. Yeah, mm-hmm. and maybe he come back around when he feel like it. Yeah, I don't even I don't even I personally don't think he's like way off. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's not like Blueface. Exactly. He's not like yeah. Blueface. Not like Blueface. Mm-hmm. Like Blueface, Blueface to me, different... I I don't know. That, that's just <laughs> bad. It's just bad music. Like mm-hmm. for real. Like honestly, mm-hmm. like him, like six nine, like all those guys. Mm-hmm. Like and 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 like if you, you're a brother, so get your money how you get your your money. Honestly, like I'm not even like mm-hmm. I just like good music. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like mm-hmm. I just don't think you should be like rapping like that. Like. The, Blueface makes one of the worst songs I've ever heard. Let me like, tell you, I mean, I feel like with me, I give anybody a, a a poetic license, you know, to say really whatever they want to say. I look at this shit like it's the motion pictures, right? But if I'm looking at a movie, there are tenets of of the there there's a checklist of things that make good films mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. so if you talking about uh, let, let's let's say uh say push a t right i love pusher i like push a t a lot right but i'm not really into coke raps <laughs> but my thing is if you're gonna be rapping about coke you better be motherfucking rapping Facts. Mm-hmm. He said he always say that. And then I can then I can respect the poetry in it, and then I can give you that creative license that you've earned as a grown man. You can say what the fuck you want to. Mm-hmm. I don't have to champion your cause, but I can be like, yeah, that shit is banging. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Or like say Rick Ross. I mean, Jesus, I don't fuck with the police, right? And if Rick Ross was once a CO, right? Yeah, in jail, mm-hmm. right? Now where I come from. Okay, you know I had FTP on my face for a reason. I was about to ask you about that. You know, man. and that depends on how fuck you feel. Right? Could mean feed the people, fuck the police, fuck the pussy. It depends on how you feel. <laughs> Fight the power. Right, 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 right. right. 
But shit, I say Rick Ross probably one of the most improved rappers because at the end of the day, he is rapping. I've done some things I wasn't proud of in my past. So, you know, I'm not in his life like that. Who am I to judge it? But when I hear the record, I'm like, beat selection, check. Um, patience, check. Cadence, rhythm, you know, tone, uh, wordplay, um, confidence, yeah. voice. That's shit, why Ross is in my top ten. Shit, check out. I can't yeah. trip. Mm-hmm. That's how I gauge all everybody. That's how I look yeah. at everybody. I'm a rapper's rapper. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I agree. So, That's how I look at everybody too. So yeah. since we on the topic of rappers, who's in your top five? Like all time or like now? That's tough. <laughs> you uh, could do all time. You could do all time. You could do all times if it makes yeah. it a little easier. Uh, all right. So before I say that, uh-huh. you know, there are categories now in terms of there are things in, in that same. So all of the things I just checked off, yeah, right. Mm-hmm. Those plus so those and um like live performance. Um, I'm gonna leave impact out because that's there's a lot of other variables in that for sure. Um, without thinking too hard, I'm gonna say top five in no particular order. Okay. I'm, and I'm preface this. I don't care about record sales. This is about like writers, lyricists. Mm-hmm. Jay Z's in the top five. Now, I think Kendrick Lamar's in the top five. Thanks. Yeah, he puts Kendrick Lamar in the top five as well. No question. Um. There's some people who I want to name right now, but I couldn't say that. Maybe I give them honorable mention. The only reason I would probably give them honorable mention is because they're the the things that I fell in love with were like twenty some years ago. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, I think. Stick and M1. I think Dead, as I say, Dead Prez is in my top five. I'm, all right. All right. Um, this is tough. Um, <laughs> since I said Dead Prez was a group, then I'm going to just say Wu Tang is a group. I'm going to put Wu Tang in your like top I, five. I, yeah. Huh? Wow. Um, and maybe that's unfair because I didn't pick one person from Wu Tang, but Wu Tang for me is more than one person, and so what that did for me at a time, maybe this is just some nostalgia, but the skill is there, and what it just what it did for me is impact, just, yeah, you know. But I said I wasn't gonna judge impact. Right. Um. Oof. I don't know. Instead of a saying five, I'm gonna just I'm gonna name till I I got ten fin- fingers done. Okay. okay. Uh, Nas, um, Rakim, KRS, mm-hmm. um, I'm gonna say, uh, oh, 
What about Ice Cube? Oh no, I won't say Ice Cube. I'll say NWA. How about that? Okay. okay. And let's round it off with. Um, oh, this is tough. Shit. Like, who am I listening to like right now a lot? I don't know. I'm gonna stop there. Because <laughs> um, there's a lot of dope MCs. It's a lot. You know what I mean? Like, there's a lot of people I like. Like, I like Elzai. I think Elzai is remarkable. Mm-hmm, you know mm-hmm. what I mean, I like Pusha T. Yeah. I like Rick Ross. I like. I mean, I like a lot of people. Yeah, you know we I mean? asked Ouija too because, like, we was like we stumbled on music on a music conversation. And it was hard for him to even yeah give all five give all five even. Yeah, it's tough. Yeah, it's tough. Well, it's easy for us because we always not have for that me. Oh, well, not for her because you know, but R and B is easy for you for sure. But hip hop, it was like not putting me in a box. Nah, I'm not putting you in a box. You always put me in a box. What, what did you say? Uh, Kanye, Nas, Jay Z. There's no well, Jay Z is always number one. And then Nas, Kanye. I, I think I think Jay Z is number one. Yeah, Jay Z to me Jay-Z is the greatest. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I can unite with that. For yeah. somebody that uh, that raps uh, as as well as he does without writing nothing, is uh, is crazy. And I just heard Styles P doesn't write anything either, and Jadakiss. But Jay Z to me is like it. It doesn't get any better than Jay Z. Like it, it's like it's like how can you? Jay Z is a hard miss. Like, like, I mean, he's he's not a hard. I don't know what I mean by when I just said that. I know what I meant in my head. I know what you mean. Yeah, I know what I meant in my head, but I don't know what I meant when I said that. But um, Jay Z to me is just like you just you, you can't mm-hmm. you can't go past that. Yeah. You can't go past that. Oh, somebody came to mind, and he had an album called Top Five. Jadakiss is really good. Jadakiss, yeah, mm-hmm. Jadakiss is really consistent. Yeah. Um, I, I would say Jay Z is number one for me. You know because. I've been following Jay Z since the Originators with Jazzo. Oh mm-hmm. shit! So I when he used to rap fast. So I know the different styles, right? Uh, Jay Z is he checks all those boxes. True. And then when it comes to the live performance, which is not his strength, his music is loved by the fans so much that they become a part of his live performance. So I, I give him a pass on that. I agree. Mm-hmm. I agree. But in terms of diction, cadence, patience, timing, flow, delivery, uh, he, he's got all of that shit. Yeah. Styles, yeah, he, he can do it. Yeah, yeah, he could. Yeah, Jay Z to me, like he could rap on anything and it'd be great. Same thing with like, I'm not comparing them, mm-hmm. but like Two Chains could also like rap on on like anything. You know what I mean? That's what I like about Two Chains, even Rick Rolls, yeah. even Pusher. I, I like Two Chains. He's entertaining to me. I like him a lot. Yeah, one hundred. I wanna know, uh did you study like any DJs coming up to like, you know, hone your craft and who do you think are the best DJs ever and all that? Um I I, I admired some DJs. I didn't really study them because I wanted to make sure that I was me. Mm-hmm. But I think like uh I looked up to and still do admire greats like Jazzy Jeff. Yeah, okay. I think Jazzy Jeff is really dope. A lot of people say he, they think he's the greatest. He's I think pound for pound, I, w- I could say that. But mm-hmm. I think Jazzy Jeff is technical, yet he can rock parties. Right. There's yeah. some DJs that are like turntablists and they're they're meant for you to watch them. Mm-hmm. And then there are DJs who are just party rockers like, say, Biz Markie. Yeah. Or Kid Capri. Flex. 
he's a disc jockey. Okay, I got you. And for me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Flex really don't get no respect, guys. Um, he don't. <laughs> but but I, I, and I say that because I, I, saw, <laughs> I saw Flex spin recently. And it, it wasn't it, good. It wasn't but what I liked. That's uh, what everybody gotcha. said. Yeah, everybody yeah. said that shit. Yeah. You know what I'm right. saying? But I, I could see how that could happen if you spend your days doing this. Right. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? But I, but um, yeah, Jazzy Jeff is really, 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 really dope. Um, I like Rich Medina. I like um, I was in love with like New York mixtapes. From like the whole tri-state area when I was in in Atlanta, so I was listening to Ron G, SNS, dope. Them tapes was dope as shit. Yeah, I learned from those. I learned from Biz Markie. Biz Markie's a dope DJ. He is a dope DJ. Um, just how, but I have a different style. You know I mean, Biz Markie might play thirty records in thirty minutes. You know what yeah, I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. And I just don't do that. But um, yeah, uh, Tony Touch is dope. Um, yeah, I looked up and then in Chicago, um, cause I love house music still. So like, um, there's some house legends in Chicago, um, from, uh, Ferris to, uh, Bulu Master to Ron Trent. I can go on and on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know I, mean? I don't know too much about the DJs over there. Yeah. Yeah. But, um. I felt like uh, we asked you too about the premiere and Pete Rock. Yeah, two of my favorite producers. Shame. And great DJs. I was about to say, I was about to ask you for your top five producers before we get out of here. Top five producers? Damn, that's probably harder than the rap shit. Is it? Yeah, for me. Um, mm. Top five? You can name three. Uh, I'll just name ones that I like. All right, good. That. Cool. Um, Pete Rock, Premier, Kanye. Um, Just Blaze, Bangladesh, Bangladesh. Wow, never yeah. heard someone say that. Yeah, Bang, interesting. Bang is dope. No, he is, but I never heard someone like yeah. when you guys a, a trendsetter. Yeah. Um, who else? Um, I like uh, RZA. Shit, Fourth Disciple, Lord Finesse. Um. Producers, producers, producers. No, I, no ID. No Alchemist. Alchemist is my favorite right now. Mm. Because why? Why? Yeah. Alchemist is my favorite producer right now because tremendous work ethic. Hundred percent. Um. V- varied. Um. In terms of who he will work with. So I, I like that. He just noticed uh, Barry just hit me too about Anderson Pack. He's on Anderson Pack last project mm-hmm. with that Smokey Robinson track. Yeah. I was like, and Alchemist. and he let the tracks, he let the samples breathe. Right. Love I, that. I appreciate that. Love that. He's not over drum programming. Same. Um, oh, and then going back to rappers. Okay. Freddie Gibbs. Freddie Gibbs is a monster. Yeah. I can't get into and, this music. And in fact, well then listen, if you like Alchemist, then listen to the Freddie Gibbs Currency and Alchemist album. Yeah, it's, called, it's called Fetty. Mm-hmm. Probably one of the hardest albums of last year. I feel like I listened, I feel like I listened to yeah, it. I, it. I, I heard it. Yeah, listen I, I, I listened to it. And listen to Freddie Gibbs shit with Mad Lib. And Mad Lib yeah. is one of my favorite producers too. Yeah, that's a classic. Yeah. It's a classic. He got a, he got some new shit with Mad Lib. Mad Lib is a is a problem on the beats. I'll fuck with Mad Lib a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And Dilla. Of course. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Yeah, I named Dilla. 
Yeah, for sure. Yeah, we could talk all day about that shit. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah. Get into that Freddie Gibbs though. He's from Gary, Indiana. Mm-hmm. That's right next to Chicago. So I fuck with Gangster Gibbs. I uh, hope he hear that. Uh, I've been listening. To, I've been listening to Freddie Gibbs. I'm trying to get into his music. I just I can't rock. He fucked with Freddie Gibbs a lot, but I can't. I'm not jamming. Yeah, but you know, it I, 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 yeah, it happens. Music for everybody. Mm. You know what I mean? So, oh, I like K Tronada. Love Kei Tronada. Dope producer. Love Kei Tronada. He's a great DJ, too. Dope producer. Yeah, good DJ. Yeah. Love Kei Tronada. How you feel about... Tall, tall black guy. Great producer. Tall black guy? Mm Mm-hmm. Get into him. That's his name? name. Yeah, that's his name. Tall black guy. Tall black guy. He's from Maryland. Get into him. (laughs) What was you going to ask me? No, I was about to ask. uh, He's not black, but uh, Calvin Harris. You like him as a Mm, DJ? I like him. He's cool. I like Calvin Harris a lot. Mm-hmm. I listen to DJs. That's why I was just asking. Mm-hmm. What we we about to get out of here? You can shout out your socials and let us know what you about to um you know Any what events you events, yeah. yeah. All right. Um, so you can hit me um on IG. I tr- I check that mostly, and I think all my other shit is based off the IG. So it's at Mike Flow Official. M I K E F L O. There's no W in that. So M I K E F L O underscore official. Um, you can also follow at welcome to the limit welcome. And then the number two, the limit, that's my other band, uh, myself and, uh, my partner, buttermilk, AKA Devin Lee, welcome to the limit W two T L. I'll send you guys the music. Yeah. Okay. You'll love that. Um, this Friday I am in Brooklyn at the Brooklyn circus for the R comes first pop-up. I'm yeah. DJing that. And I'll then later on that night, this is this is a good Friday they call it right. Um, <laughs> I am after that, so that's from six to nine. Then after that, I'm at Casablanca to four in the morning. So come fuck with that; it'd be litty lit. Then that's um on Malcolm X uh, on the corner of Malcolm X and McDonough, I believe. Yeah, that's in Bed Stuy. And then Saturday, I am at Father Knows Best. That's on Wilson and Bushwick. If you want to like chill out. Great backyard, good food, vegan options. I show movies there while I'm playing. Oh. Um, so it's kind of like a movie night without sound because the sound is the music. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Really, really dope. That's dope. And yeah. what's the name of this place? Father Knows Best. Father Knows Best. FKB, Father Knows Best. Yeah, look out for the Welcome to the Limit stuff. We're at um, welcometothelimit.com. And that's welcome and the two, as in the number two. Welcome to the limit. Uh, we just did um, Rough Trade in Brooklyn and Williamsburg. And uh, we just did Brick TV. Um, so check those things out. Um, what else? Any of my parties, man, if you see me playing, come fuck with it because I don't even know what I might do. So. Come fuck with that. And we got to support shit that you like. That's mm-hmm. the message I would like to send to the listeners and the viewers here today. Do not complain about shit that you don't like if you're not leaving your imprint and creating balance. Because I do what I do, not just for me, so that your unborn children can have some balance. Right. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And that's what it's about. We have to be the change that we want in this world. Mm. So, you know, I feel like I'm going to do my all uh, in terms of my DJ shit, anything I touch. Um, What else? Uh, My son and I just signed 
with a casting agency on some modeling shit. Oh, oh wow. Yeah, we that's just fine. signed to Strong. Uh, that's the name of the company. They got some different uh, annexes in different cities. Uh, what else I got going on? Um, look out for Tiffany Styles. She's a great stylist. That's my girl. She's a beast. Um, look out for my son, uh, Blur, Young Blur. Uh, yeah, man. I mean, that's what else? I did. I be doing a lot of shit. I do something else, I <laughs> <laughs> but I be doing stuff, man. Yeah, I see you out here working. That's hustle. Yeah, right. go ahead, bar. Follow me on Instagram at jsaints underscore. And if you want to vibrate on a higher plane, you can follow me at crown underscore underscore Taj. There we go. Um, listen, follow all of us at OTC Podcast underscore. Um, follow me at JD the Opinionated on Instagram and on Twitter at artistic underscore JD. Uh, Mike Flo, tell us what song you want us to go out to. Mm. Like what song? What song you feeling right now? It's I can say whatever I want, and you can like pull that up. I'll pull it up. <laughs> Oh. Hopefully he's on the streaming service. Yeah, all right. It should be on title because title got like a lot of like mixtapes and all release shit. What song do I want to go out to? Let's go out to that "Welcome to the Limit" shit. So type in W two T L and play um play her. That's our latest single. Her, her. You should see it right away. W T T L. W two T L. Play her. Let's see. All right, got you. Boom. Love, before I play this, uh, listen, guys, I just I forgot to thank everybody for even right. listening. That's my bad. <laughs> thank you, everybody, for listening. Uh, thank you, everybody, for looking at this right now on YouTube. Or Listen, shout out to everybody that, that's in Colorado. You know, we got the header from oh, Colorado. Colorado, where? Yeah, because, you know, uh, remember when we shout out every the states? Yeah. And it's like, yeah, Colorado. Somebody on Twitter hit us up like, yo, Colorado here, too. Oh, as well. oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I love Colorado. Yeah, yeah, I want to go to Colorado too. Yeah, they're smoking good. Huh? Oh yeah, <laughs> sure. I, I, I gotta get up there. That's Bari type of place. That's Bari type of place. There. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm real good. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, but shout out to everybody, Colorado, Atlanta, wherever you at, um, even New York, Brooklyn, Bronx, whatever. Shout out to everybody, Cali. I see you out there too. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, our listenerships uh, is, is strong out there. Appreciate you guys for listening. I hope you enjoyed our guest. I hope you enjoyed the gems we just, you right. know what I mean? He right. just produced out of his mouth right there. Nah, that was us. We did that. <laughs> uh, Mike Flo, we're going to play uh, Her by WTL, right? W2. W2TL. Welcome to the limit. Welcome to the limit. Got you. There we go. Thank you, man, for joining us, man. Right on. I appreciate it. Say